Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. But he has almost a compulsion to try to play with other kids. And sometimes it doesn't go well. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Best diffuser I give to students in this situation is, could I have some space, please? With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. And we can't get rid of the heartbreak of friendship gone awry a podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about kid-friend breakups from both sides. From Kid-friend breakups. Our kids, my kids have been on both sides of that. That's probably a good sign. I think you want to be on both sides of it. If that's, you're only on one right. side, it's probably signals a problem. Before we start, though, I have to talk to you about a trauma that I have recently experienced. Oh my God, okay. It doesn't really have to do with kid-friend breakups, but I have to process it out loud. We were entrusted with Max, this kindergarten mascot. He's a bear. A, a stuffed, stuffed bear. bear. Okay. <laughs> Just Not to be clear. <laughs> They've really raised their game in kindergarten. They send you home with a live bear. <laughs> No, it's a stuffed bear. A brown bear. It doesn't, it doesn't no, kill. listen. It's not a grizzly. Not, that would be crazy. <laughs> uh, the stuffed bear, Max, and you're supposed to, of course, take pictures with him and write stories about all the adventures you get up to with Max. I hate that. Okay. It's already traumatic. My daughter became convinced last night that Max had not done enough exciting things. You get the book that all the other kids have done. So it was like, look at these other kids. They took Max to the Empire State Building. They took Max here and there. We had Max for three days. It's 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 the it's like FOMO taken to like to the level N, right? right. That 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 Max went to the Grammy Awards at so and so's right. house. At their so, house. And I'm like, well, listen, my Max house. is just gonna have a snack and go to bed. Like that's all we've got <laughs> for Max. We're boring people. That doesn't work. Uh, apparently not. So last night, my daughter convinced me that Max needed to go with her to dance class, which is already always kind of a horror show because we just have very busy nights on this night. And so this one needs to go to this class and this one's got to go to violin at the same time she's got to be at dance. And so it's already a lot. The night is already a lot. Before worrying about what Max needs. Before we've introduced Max into the equation. Right. So we're running late. There's nowhere to park. I pull over on the side of the road, basically I'm illegally parked like in 80 different people's ways. And I'm like, run into class. We're two minutes late. They're, they're practicing recital. I'm like, can I just take a quick picture of her and Max in dance class? So like, yes, yes, take a quick picture of Max. Max wants to stay for class. It's my son's birthday. I'm like, all right, well, you're in class. I'm going to run home and make birthday cakes. And then I'll run back and pick her up. And then my eight-year-old, I was like, I, I just... 
I, he was waiting to open his presents. I'm like, you can stay at home. I'm just running down the street to get her. I wait. I love, I have to say, I love that the eighth, the eight year old birthday is take, taking a total backseat to what Max, Max needs. There. Right. Okay. I don't know. It just was a hot mess. I've been the there. Night. I've been there. I'm not judging. I'm just and laughing. I'm like, you stay home. I'll go get her. I grab her out of class. They're, they're practicing for the rehearsal. So it's running a little late. I'm like, I've left my eight year old at home. Da, 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 da. I grab her. We run home. Anyway, a night of utter chaos. And then at bedtime, I'm like, put Max in your bag. He's got to go back. And guess what? Max is gone. So we've lost Max. And so I'm like, it's okay. It's fine. We left Max at the dance studio. <sighs> so then it's, I barely sleep last night. Like dreams of like, I'm the mom who, who's lost Max. If you, if you had pitched Max into the Grand Canyon, you'd have a better chance of getting him back than I'm from the dance studio. I'm texting her dance teacher and I'm like, listen, we probably left the bear there. She's like, well, the studio's closed, but I'll text them and tell them they're probably there about 8.30 in the morning. So this morning I have a, echocardiogram and a stress test scheduled because we have a whole other story, long history of heart disease and heart problems in the family. And my doctor's like, you may be high cardiac risk. You have to get a stress test done. And, and so you're then like, I'm like, okay, test. Oh, let me tell you, hook those <laughs> electrodes up now. I'm at maximum possible human stress. <laughs> I go to the dance. I'm like, I'm just going to stop at the dance studio. I go, no max. Max is gone. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the least surprising part of the story that Max has disappeared in the so 12 hours one, that he was running there. running around the parking lot, like wet parking lot. I'm like looking under truck Max, tires. Max, Max, where are you? <laughs> I'm, I, I at one point end up actually in tears driving to my stress test. Like we've lost Max. I'm now the mom. That has, I'm text, I set up a text chain with all the other moms from dance class. Does anyone see Max? They're like, Max, I didn't, are you sure you left him here? I can't tell. Maybe he was in the car. I'm crying and driving down the street over a bear, a stuffed bear that I've lost. And then I go to my echocardiogram and I'm lying there getting like a sonogram of my heart done. And I'm like crying and I'm like telling this lady that I've lost Max the bear. And she's like, that, that's horrible. Like you can never show your face again. Like, <laughs> basically you have to join the just, witness protection Just go, program. leave town. Like just get in your car and start driving. Like there's no point in ever returning to school. And then I get a text from my husband. He's like, I found a bear. I found a bear. a bear under the guest. Well, he says I found the bear, but of course oh, okay. I'm like, I bet it's not the right bear. So I'm like, text me a picture of the bear. And my husband texted me like a proof of life photo with Max the bear in front of today's New York Times. And he was like, it's the actual bear. So Max has so, been found. So Max had never left the house. Max Max made it back no, from dance class. No, he had gone. He must have somehow, this is what I can't understand. How he ever got, he was in my husband's office where we also have a guest bed under the bed. Like when my daughter gets home, I'm like sitting her down and shining a bright light in her face and being like, let's go through this point by point. How the heck did Max get into dad's office under the bed? A place where children are not really allowed. That is a chicken soup for the soul guardian angel story for the ages. Someone was looking out for me, but I'll tell you, any Catholics out there, I did say my prayer to St. Anthony this morning. Well, then there you go. That's why it was like St. Anthony, Anthony put him back. St. Anthony must have just like grabbed <laughs> him out of the wet parking lot and placed him under the guest bed. Because I'm not going to make it easy for her. I'm going to no. put him under the guest bed where there's no way he would be. But I am basically like, I have had two days or like 
maybe just 18 hours of complete non-functioning over this bear. Oh God. How was anyway. your stress test? How'd you do? That's what I said. I was like, Did if it fail? turns out I'm dying on my stress test, don't worry about it. Cause this is as stressed <laughs> as I've ever been in my entire life. So we'll, we'll have to see. I'm really glad to hear that. I'm really glad to hear about Max and that makes- So I'm breaking up with Max. That's how I'm going to transition us back into the topic. Bre- yeah. Max and I are, I'm about to drop him at school and we are breaking up. I never want to see his furry little face again. I I wrote um, a, a chapter for my book 10 years ago about the class the class pet bringing it home for the weekend and why that's just the pinnacle of every you know stress a mother could ever have and it was called Penny the Pig and I didn't really know when I was writing it but that became like the one that was the hashtag me too of my of my yeah. book tour everybody wanted to talk about that that experience we've all been there Margaret truly guys what an adventure horrible. now like Max Max has such a story to tell now you, you <laughs> he really does he was lost and he was found and he was found and well, of course I'm on Amazon and there's no similar bears and I was like how do you guys feel about like Timmy the turtle instead of Max the bear <laughs> <laughs> let's just change this thing up <laughs> So this is easy. So this this uh, the conundrum of the week is very easy compared compared to, to that. To I, that. I'll be fine. Kid friend breakups. I got this covered in handles. You, you I'm breaking s- up with my kids, as it turns out. Yeah, you were saying before that that this is a, a rite of passage, which it is, but it's still it's still tough in the moment. So I thought we would talk about first what happens when your kids on the receiving side of it. I had a I had a weird thing happen to me when my middle guy he was in pre K. Um, and he had a he had a friend. He he was sort of a a serial monogamist. He had one one best friend at a time. And being okay. being New York City, they you know like Maggie's my daughter Maggie. Her really good friend is moving to Switzerland at the end of the year. New York is sort of a way station. People people aren't here forever. Right. And I bet um, a lot of people like they have the second kid and they're like, actually, we're moving to uh, right. Westchester. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's if it's Maplewood, New Jersey, or Switzerland. They're right. they're you gone. Might as- Goodbye. Yeah. Um, so this was a kid that he was really, really like one-on-one friends with. We will be together forever. And then the kid um, had moved, had moved away. And I saw on um, Facebook that they were back for a week or two, like the um, over the summer before they moved to I think it was France. They're moving to France, and. Uh, the mom was the mom was British and had the you know just had the British accent where you just I don't know about you but anytime somebody has a British accent I just sort of immediately like yes ma'am whatever you say ma'am I get very <laughs> right very um, right. you must be somehow the queen yeah like it makes me want to just you know bow and scrape and do what they say so anyway I reached out to her. Uh, on the phone and said, oh, you know, that's, it's so great that this kid's back in town. Maybe our kids can get together. And she was like, you know, that's just not going to happen. Mm. She said that. And I was like, okay. And then I was sort of like, Wait, is, is something lost in translation here? Did I literally misunderstand her? Does that mean something different in jolly old England? And I hung up the phone. I'm like, she just dissed me and my kid was like never again are they going to play together and I didn't I I didn't know what happened I still don't really know what happened so nothing resolved that was the end of it nothing resolved my my kid was about four at the time so was oblivious to to that so that was thank goodness not the problem but I will say as I look back on this my uh my child who had this best friend used to say that this kid I'm gonna call him Wilbur <laughs> that <laughs> That Wilbur had A-K-A really Wilbur. that Wilbur had really soft hands, and mm. he used to and and this child used to love to pet my hands and say that my hands were soft, but not as soft 
as Wilbur's hands. And I, when I looked back <laughs> yeah. on that later, when Wilbur's mother was yeah, like, my kid might have been a little bit of a creeper. ever going to happen. And that the, right, that there might have been a whole, uh, yeah, side narrative of which I was not aware that made her like, we will never see that child again. Or and it so could it's, also be that they were in the middle of moving and back for a very brief period of time and had like 96 obligations and getting a four-year-old together with someone, another four-year-old they were never going to see again might not have been a priority for them. That could have been it. But yeah, she was making it clear this is a, uh, a, not only a non-priority, this is not not in your dreams, right? I want to introduce a line that my husband has used on me very often that I think might be very germane to the situation, to use an Amy Wilson word for a moment. He says, never attribute to malice what you can attribute to anything else. And I think it's a really good thing to keep in mind. Like you can attribute it to ignorance, you can attribute it to forgetfulness, you can attribute, I think it's very easy, especially in these situations that are emotional and loaded, to be like, they thought they were too good for us and they don't want my kid hanging out because he's a weird hand stroker and da, 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 da. And you can fill in a narrative that does not really apply to the situation. Yeah, I mean, for me, it wasn't malice. It was uh, a very personal rejection that I took Right, but what I'm saying is- But that's also a projection. You don't know that. You don't know that. Like, it could just be that they were like, listen, we got a lot going on and I don't really, in the- hierarchy of things we have to do this week, like setting up a play date for my four-year-old is not even cracking the top 45. Well, I think that's okay. So that's sort of the number one advice for this is when this happens to your kid, you need to be supportive, but you also need to maintain perspective on it, right? And not and for not create narratives sure. around it and don't make it about you. There's a psychologist, her name is Eileen Kennedy Moore, and she wrote a great article about this that I'll put up on our show page on whatfreshellpodcast.com. And she said something that I love. She said, don't go lioness when this happens. So it really is so true. I mean, I feel like this is something that I really see a lot. I do it myself. But I listen sometimes to somebody saying, you know, oh, this thing happened to my kid. And they obviously think this and they think that. And how dare they? And they think they're better than us. And they think they're and they think I'm horrible because I lost the class bear. And then now they're taking it out of my kid. And I think like you're 45 steps down a road that you're not even sure step one is correct. There is a sort of a corollary to this though, which is I think you need to maintain perspective which And so it might not be about your kid and rejection, but you also need to maintain the perspective that there could be something going on that you're not entirely aware of and maybe should be aware of. But the idea that your child is an angel who who is never anything but completely unannoying to everybody and everybody should want, like that's that's maybe not true. There might have been something going on. I guess what I'm saying is I might not be wrong that this mom was like, I think we need to take a break from that kid. And and they're moving and they moved away to do so. So she didn't have to have the difficult conversation with me or with the teacher. But um, there might have been something going on I didn't know about. I yeah. think when we were talking in that Mean Girls episode, when I was talking to Katie Hurley, her, her book, No More Mean Girls, it's a good book. And it sort of gently suggests in a lot of ways, like if your kid is being bullied, you do kind of need to take a step back and be like, eh. What did my kid do? And there might, there might there might be something. Your kid might be misreading social cues. Your kid might want to touch the other kid's hands way too often or whatever. Right. There might be something going on 
that you can help with if you know about, and there's a chance you didn't know about it. I'm not talking about your kid sets fires. I'm talking about your kid doesn't know when to stop talking or you know, doesn't pick up on stuff. There are kids like that, and those tend to be kids who get bullied. I mean, I've had the experience. I remember so clearly when we still lived in L.A., I had a my, my oldest, who was like three or four at the time, and he was a very hyper child. And we went to a, the house of someone who was in walking distance of us, a nice family, nice mom, nice kid. Like, I liked them fine. And we went over for a play date, and they had a rule that, like, you had to take off shoes in the house, and they're snacks were like um, avocado. I don't know. They were just like, <laughs> they lived a very different lifestyle than we did. And it was very, very difficult for my son to manage the like, he was a kid who would, if it was like, oh, we're, we're coming outside and inside, he would do that 60 times in an hour. Whereas her kid would maybe do it three times in an hour. So for her kid, like shoes on and off wasn't a big deal. But I found in the it was just a constant managing of like, are your shoes on and off? And then my kid like screaming and crying because the snacks and the dinners were weird. And I looked at it and I thought to myself, well, these are not things that are important to us, like managing shoes on and shoes off and like being willing to eat unfamiliar foods. That's not a value that I hold for my three-year-old, but it's a value. I mean, the, it was just such a, it was like an awkward first date. It went horribly, this play date. And I could tell that she was kind of appalled by how my kid was behaving. But my takeaway was sort of like, right, my kid is not meant for this situation. And so this isn't a good friend match for him. Yeah. Well, that sounds like that was a mutual <laughs> oh, it was like- mu- mutual horror. <laughs> we were like, let's, ne- let, what, what did your British friend say? This, this is never going to this happen is, again. This is not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. There are people who are incompatible. I just, I think this is a another area, and I spoke about it in a recent episode, um, talking about, I think, camp and like, well, the mom and the kid need to have a long conversation about what your summer values are, and then you need to decide every day what, like, I... I think taking the mom out of the middle of this is my goal. Yes, but and you know, some this gets more painful as the kids get older. Like we're, we we just gave two examples where the kid is four and oblivious. And and this can be incredibly painful when your kid is 11 or 12 and and dealing with the kid saying at school I don't want to be your friend anymore. It can yeah. be it can be Heartbreaking. It can be painful. And, and, it can be. And you still have to be aware, be aware of over-identifying, but I do think that there are things you can do, things you can do to to help. You want to hear? I, I have I have a little research here. Please. Uh, Dr. Carl Pickard, he's a psychologist who specifically works with adolescents. And and all the research I was looking at on this all seem to say the same thing. Like, don't get too involved, but don't don't ignore don't and ignore. don't belittle. And he said. He said that you can you can provide empathetic support, right? Um, but he also said that I thought was kind of a good concrete idea that if you have a if you have a kid going through this, you can as a parent um, provide sort of tr- transitional companionship. Like your kid m- might need to hang around with you a little more. You might need if your kid's best friend just said we're not friends anymore. You might need to spend a little more time with your kid or take them out for frozen yogurt a little more for a week or two until they're. They're hard heels and they're ready to re-engage. Just saying, like, get back out there the same day. You wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say that to your thirty-five-year-old friend who just broke up with their boyfriend. You'd, right? You know, have her over to like wallow in a couple bottles of wine for a while. I mean, I think like there, there's a version of that you can do with your kid without over-identifying, without catastrophizing. To them, this is a huge deal, 
And I think you can honor that. And you can also sort of brainstorm. So so when my uh, oldest kid was in about sixth grade, I got a call from a mom that I was you know friendly with. And our kids were in the same grade. They weren't really tight. And she she told me that um, her her son, this had just happened to, that his sort of best friend since nursery school, and my kid's school, school goes from nursery through eighth grade. That's a that's a long time to transition yeah. together from three to 13. My um, kid's school goes from kindergarten to 12th. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and you're not this and you're not the same person. So anyway, this kid, this kid had been completely ostracized by his uh, best friend in that reshuffling that happens in sixth grade. Kid was devastated. She was a good mom, you know, talked to the school about it and said to the, asked the teacher, who should my kid be investing with? He's going to have to pivot. Right. Who, 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 who's he going to be friends with now? Yeah. And the teacher said, like, there's two kids. There's two kids that, that this kid should be better friends with. And one of them was my son. So this mom called me and we had, you know, a good enough relationship that she could just be like, look, this is going on. And my kid has no idea I'm calling you about this. But can we set up a few play dates? Can we have them play together a few times? Well, of course, okay. that kid became one of my son's best friends. And and uh, and the other kid that she was also told to invest in, they all they all became a totally tight trio, um, and it worked. And and I thought she kind of handled it the right way. She was she was she wasn't blaming, she wasn't panicking, but she was saying, okay, I got to help this kid figure out something new. So can we try a couple play dates and just see what happens? I thought she did the right thing in that situation. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean. Uh, you know that my like go to is it was like why are the moms even having these conversations like but I, I think it's to to help and to guide in very subtle ways that would be like the very outside of my comfort zone like actually kind of social engineering it a little bit but it sounds like it worked out fine it worked out fine and you know the crazy thing is that the that her son, my son, and the son that was ostracizing her son, like all the moms are friends and all the moms still are friends. And that, that I think takes, you know, some, some maturity on the part of the parent, but to realize this is a rite of passage. It's not really about them. They reshuffle, they hurt each other's feelings. That's, that's, it's an unavoidable, a part of growing up. So if your kid isn't being bullied, you don't have to have a fight with the other parent about it. You just help your kid figure out a new, a new set of friends. Absolutely. And like really watching that definition of bullying is important too. Like, yes, if your kid is in a situation where they are, there is a campaign to make them feel bad and scared and someone is really like targeting them and particularly bullying them, that is one thing. But kids being mean to each other is something that happens all the time. And there is a difference between the kind of interactions that kids go through constantly with each other and bullying. You can't, as a group of mom friends, and I, I think this happens very naturally, like you all meet in preschool and you're like, whoa, the five amigos, they're going to be in it all lifelong because isn't that a great idea? And like, this one will marry this one when they get grow up. And those are the kind of conversations you have in preschool. And so it's tempting in fifth grade to be like, wait, wait, you can't break up the five amigos. Like you, you, you have to stay best friends. And that's where you're really in the red zone. Yeah. Wh whatever your relationships with your other moms are, you make sure that your kids are treating each other decently, but it's not your job to figure out their friendships and whether or not they are friends. Yeah, I thought this mom had the right balance of like, I'm going to set this up. I'm going to put this in his path. And you know that that's happening. And I know that that's happening. We're not going to talk to our kids about it. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to see if they click. Right. They and I think there's a tendency for the parents to bring in heaviness to the situation that often 
misguide stuff. You know, like we live in the kind of town where like a lot of kids, there's a lot of like shared backyards and lots of kids like play together. And, you know, there's always stuff that goes down, like this one pushes this one down or, you know, lots of different bad interactions happen between the kids. And I think often the reaction to it is an overreaction. Like the kids have sort of gotten past it and the parents are still like, let's have a town meeting and we'll all decide whether Jackson was justified when he pushed Liam down. And it's like, I don't know. I think the kids are three days ahead of us here, you know? Well, that's, that's another good reason not to get, not to get over involved is, is, you know, empathize and say, Oh, your feelings must've been really hurt when Jackson told you he didn't want to be your friend anymore because I think 50-50 by the end of the week, things will have shifted again. You don't even necessarily have to tell your kid that, but beware, you're right. Like treat the, put the Band-Aid on the wound, give them some extra cuddles, um, tell them it's going to be okay, tell them you understand their feelings must be hurt, and then, and then you know, wait and see what develops. Don't, don't rush to intervene. And if right. you need and to intervene- if and the when the other mom comes to you and is like, I think we need to have a summit about your kid and Jackson- Jackson, by the way, is just a name we made up. There's no kid in my town named Jackson. I'm talking about. <laughs> my, I have in a case, nephew named Jackson. I don't know. I don't know where the best that kid name ever. came from, but there's a lot of great Jacksons out there. There's a Jackson in my kids' class. He's a sweetheart. So I'm not talking about any actual Jacksons. Let's go with the name Bob. It seems even more generic. <laughs> if Bob's mom comes over and is like, well, I'm worried they're not getting along. I, I just tend towards the realm of like, well, they can take a little break from each other for a while, you know? And I do think when you come up with kids, and we we moved at a certain point, and so we, we didn't have this as much, but the tendency of the moms to want to work out every dispute so that you keep these kids together because you like hanging out with the other mom, it's not always really that natural. Yeah. You know, that's a good time to take a break because we can pivot when we come back to what you do when it's your kid who wants your to take a break. Your word of the day is pivot. I, I pivot with style. <laughs> pivot with style. All right, we'll come back with some pivoting after this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say and making diaper changes a breeze for trusted protection trust pampers the number one pediatrician recommended brand download the pampers club app today and earn pampers cash then redeem your pampers cash for exclusive pampers coupon savings and rewards only redeemable via pampers club pampers cash has no cash value Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. 
Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. And now, from the What Fresh Hell podcast, your ultimate kid-friend breakup album. Breakup songs by kids for kids that capture the unique heartbreak when friendships go bad. You'll start with track one. Look, we talked a lot when we were in AYSO soccer, but now the season's over. Then it's on to track two. I'm not into Shopkins anymore, so I'm having playdates with Sarah who likes American Girl. And that's not all. The Kid Friend Breakup album brings you hit after hit. Songs like, Jeannie says you're weird and I'm trying to get in with the popular crowd, sorry. You're still into YouTube videos, but I'm into girls now. And I'm moving to Guam because my dad got a job there. Maybe we can FaceTime. The Kid Friend Breakup's album also brings you deep cuts like, Sheila told me that you told Debbie that Carly said that you hated my friend Rachel. The ultimate kid-friend breakup album is here. Don't let your kids navigate a friend breakup without it. So, Margaret, we're talking about bullying and how that is something very different from friend breakups and something you need to take seriously. For sure. And cyberbullying is the whole new fresh hell we're supposed to worry about. And, you know, what's dangerous about it is that it occurs online and parents don't really have any idea that it's happening most of the time because kids don't report it. Right. And so that's why I love the sponsor of today's episode because it's something that helps with that. And I've been using it for two years and it's called Bark. It's an app 
for your desktop and your phone that lets you protect your kids online without looking over their shoulders and, you know, getting to their phone and compromising their privacy. So how does it work? Okay, so you sign up for Bark. And by the way, you can sign up for free and try it for a month. And that's how I got started. It's a, it sends a message to your to your child. Okay, Bark is going to ask you for logins. And so I said to my teenager, you're going to give Bark your logins for your email, for whatever um, social media platforms they use. Like my kid uses Snapchat. I don't use Snapchat. I don't know how to use Snapchat. We're too old for Snapchat. We're too old for Snapchat. Your kid gives the logins to Bark. And here's how you sell them on it. You say, I'm not... I'm not going to be going onto your accounts. I'm not going to be looking at everything you post, but I want to keep you safe. And so if there's an issue, Bark is going to let me know. And if there's not an issue, um, then I don't see anything. So you only get an alert if there's something yes. wrong. Yes. Hmm. And so, and, and I've gotten alerts over the past couple of years for things that, uh, well, one was a short movie that was taken where it was kids playing in a swimming pool, but, you know, it was a bunch of boys with, with no shirts on. And it was a, you know, they shaky. Like, uh oh, we got nudie yeah. rudies here. Yeah, the, uh, the algorithm picked that right up, sent it to me. And, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was not a problem, but I was really glad that I knew that that this was happening. And another time I got a uh, flag for drug use and it was an email from the New York Times talking about medical marijuana. So wow. in that case, I could just You're go into the You're batting a thousand on your Yeah. Bark. So, so doing well. So uh, in that case, I could go in and tell Bark, okay, ignore emails from the New York Times. I don't think it's cyberbullying my kid. And so that won't, that won't be flagged again. The rest of the time, I don't see what he's, see what he's doing. And then, and then once a week, I get a, um, a digest. And it basically says, your kid has done 87 things online this week and none of them have an issue. And that's all you see. All right, that's Bark. It's right. $99 a year. Yeah. But you can try Bark for free and see how easy and helpful Bark is. To get started, go to bark.us. That's Bark. US and use the code FRESH for a seven-day free trial plus 20% off your first year. Bark, the smart way to keep kids safer online. Okay, we're back. We're back. All right, so now we're going to talk about what happens when it's your kid that needs the space. I used to be friends with this one, but now I find them annoying. Um, uh, I'm currently dealing with this with one of my children who has the feeling that they're being asked to uh, forsake all others, like, right. like the serial monogamy thing I was talking about. Like, I want to be your friend. I'm not going to be your best friend if that means I can't talk to anybody else or ever sit with anybody else. I'm not really interested in that. How do I negotiate a sort of step back from this? That's a tough one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm assuming you have research to talk to K, about. Well, KJ Delantonia covered this and, and somebody wrote into Motherload at the New York Times and asked her about this. And so she she did some really good writing on it and I will put a post to that on our website. She said, the, the person who asked the question said, you know, sometimes if you're dealing with a kid who is socially awkward, right. the, the polite social cues don't work. Like telling your kid to just say, oh, mm-hmm, and not really engage or like, right. uh, I don't know, don't, it, it, that that sort of subtle stuff, sometimes there are kids who don't pick up on it. And there's a there's a psychotherapist, her name is Andrea Nair, and she says that this, this can definitely happen in middle school, and I'm seeing it, I've seen it happen now with two out of my three kids, that there's such a disparity in maturity level. Right, right. That one they're just they're just hearing different music and and it's not a bad thing so that i mean that's why they're growing apart but it also makes the sort of breakups difficult because the one kid doesn't understand why this is happening the kid who's getting left behind they're less mature so they're not necessarily reading the cues reading the body language they don't they don't fully 
get it. And that's that's what right. makes it so tricky. I've been in that situation. We keep making dating metaphors, but like I've had that dating situation where someone's like, I like you, let's go out. And I'm like, oh, maybe someday, you know? And then they're like, oh yeah, let's go out. And then I've even been in a situation where I'm like, All right, let's, we'll just go out once and I could get it over with. And then it's like, oh, let's, and then it, it gets pushed to the point where I have not, I have been too subtle with my social cues. And then at the end of it, I'm like, I do not like you. I never want to see your face again. And it's like, it. I end up in a mean place. And I'm like, I would have been much better to, in the very beginning, be like, I am not, I, I am not interested in going out with you. What did your British friend say? That is never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. right. She she skipped so many steps that I was just completely like right. back you were on like, my heels. Whoa. But in some right. ways, but I think worked. if you do all the subtle steps, like then suddenly you're like, I'm just trying to be so nice that I'm not going to say anything rude. That you end up at a place where you're like, I hate your ugly face. Whereas if in the beginning you were like, Oh, you know what? No thanks. I'm not interested in that. It might have been a little better than letting it go for so long and then getting backed into a corner where you're like an animal and you're like, now I have to bite. <laughs> and this is something that I think girls uh, and women struggle with more than boys, right? This whole like, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings and I don't want to do this and I better not, and I better just kind of do it in a subtle, and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't always work. And then you're the jerk for not having, or you consider the jerk, I mean, for not, for not having been more straightforward with what you want. It's And it's I think it's tough. really hard when there are kids whose behavior is kind of all over the place. And, and, and where we live, we're in a small town. You pretty much know every kid. Mm-hmm. And it is difficult when stuff starts to come up because it feels very fraught because it's not like, oh, this is just some random stranger. Ignore him for five minutes and then it'll go away. It's like this. these are people moms and kids who you're going to have in your life for 12 years. Honestly, when we moved to this town, I did not realize we had what we called feeder schools. There were like five kindergartens that fed three middle schools that fed one high school. So every couple of years, there would be a new batch of kids and things would change over. Where I live, the same kindergarten class graduates from high school together. And it, it feels really fraught. I think that I, and I, I'm, I'm really just starting to wrestle with this a lot. I tend to tell my kids, like, it's your job to be nice, ignore what you don't like, and go find someone else to play with. And I find myself often saying to my kids, that's not bullying. Like, we were at, um, right. we were somewhere the other day, and there were some kids being mean to my, one of my guys. And, uh, you know, he's kind of an, like, he's, he's a hand stroker, like, he's a kind of an odd kid. And a little immature for his age and still into like stuffed animals where the other kids are kind of getting into like Fortnite. You know, he's just kind of emotionally and socially immature, but he has almost a compulsion to try to play with other kids. And sometimes it doesn't go well. Often it's girls and often they're like, they roll eyes and they're like, could you leave us alone? And then they'll be like, why is he acting so weird? Who is that weird kid? And he's like, oh, they were bullying me. And I'm like, they weren't really bullying you. They're not campaigning to make your life more difficult. They're not following you as you go to another sandbox. That's really not bullying. They're just asking to be left alone. And after that, you have to leave them alone. They asked you to leave them alone, you know? And if they're mean to you and rolling their eyes at you or whispering about you and saying you're weird, like... Yes, that hurts your feelings, but that's kind of their point of view. You know, mm-hmm. like I like weird people. I would advise you not to change to fit in with a bunch of girls who you've only seen for the last 78 seconds. But it it's easy to get lost in because it's kind of like, well, they are objectively being mean to you. 
but they're not really bullying you. And then you get into, as you get older, like some of the behavior gets much sketchier. And then you think like, well, should you just be ignoring this? Should you just always keep trying to be nice no matter what? I don't know, especially for my girl, because I find myself giving that advice a lot. And I'm like, I'm not sure if for girls, the right advice is always like, just keep being nice. Yeah. Let me tell you, it didn't work for me when I was being bullied. Like, I'm just going to be so nice that they'll, they'll see and they'll see I've changed. And now I will do everything They'll see your beautiful Disney heart. Yeah. (laughs) And, and you don't really want, I don't think, especially girls, but maybe I'm, I'm just talking off the top of my head. Like you don't really want anyone to just be nice to people who are being abusive towards them. That's not the right answer. Right. And, 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 and to, to, to flip it back, you also don't want to advise your kids and particularly your daughters to be nice, that they have to continue to be nice to someone who's making them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. We just had this with like birthday party stuff, you know, like, who are we going to invite? Well, I don't want to invite this one. He's mean to me. And it's like, well, we're inviting everybody or no one. That's what we're actually doing. Mm -hmm. But they're young enough that like being mean to me, it might mean, you know, he shoved me out of the way in line because that's what eight-year-old boys do. It's dicey. It's real dicey. I have some good advice. Um, I was going to say, do you have any more advice? I I have a little, this is actually good advice. I thought, um, from Mother Lode. This is a sixth grade teacher named Philip. I don't even know his last name. He he teaches sixth grade in Missouri and he responded to this Mother Lode question about what do you do when your kid's the kid that needs to, needs to kind of set some boundaries. So he said, I love this. As a sixth grade teacher, I deal with this often. The best diffuser I give to students in this situation is, could I have some space, please? It's polite, but it gets the point across. Then if that doesn't work, the student has a case when he comes to a teacher later and says, I asked so-and-so for more space and they wouldn't leave me alone. Then as a teacher, I can speak to that student and talk about social boundaries. I oppose bullying in all forms, but it can be really, really hard for kids when another student doesn't follow basic social cues, messes with their stuff, gets in their space, dominates conversation, and the kids are left with no recourse but to try to get away. Sometimes kids learn by making social mistakes. If a child breaks a social boundary and then they temporarily lose a friend, that can be a very powerful lesson. I second this times a thousand. Yeah, I two thousand this. So one of my guys really struggles with social cues. And whenever we, you know, talk to the school about it or um, have any kind of conferences or meetings about it, I always find myself saying, let other kids be mean to him. I don't want him getting bullied. A bully is someone who like he's afraid of. The minute he walks in the playground, that kid is targeting him. Someone's going out of their way to be mean to them. But if he walks up to a group of five kids who are playing kickball and walks into the middle of them and is like, Transformers is so cool, isn't it? And they're not interested in that, that's fine. It's fine for them to be like, why are you being this way? Right. Stop talking about Transformers. That's not what we're talking about. Like, And he has gotten much better at his social cues and- you can't skip the step where they learn this stuff. Yeah, it's and it's it it, it and, it, and it works. It does it does work. I mean, it might work slowly or quickly, but it it works. The kids are like, oh, I guess that guess I can't do this. Yeah, and I mean, I have this in my own life. I'm a person who loves to talk. I tend to like dominate conversations, have a couple of drinks, and I tend to really dominate conversations. And I have had to train myself at a certain point. And I'm sure, like in the history of my life, there are people who you would be like oh my God, don't invite Meg anymore. She'll just like talk the entire time and no one else will get a word in <laughs> twice. And like, they're not wrong, you know? And I think it can be very hard for us as parents to say like, 
okay, my beautiful angel does actually have some flaws that other kids are turned off by. And the solution to that is not necessarily that the, we've talked about this a lot. Does your kid adapt to the world? Or does the world adapt to your kid? And at a certain point, if you make the world adapt to your kid and you shape the world to adapt to your kid, I think you're fundamentally doing your kid a disservice. This uh, sixth grade teacher, he he closed by saying, we can't micromanage social interactions at school and we can't get rid of the heartbreak of friendship gone awry. I think he's, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. So my my kid is in this situation, I need to branch out my friend circle. Okay. And and I can help on the outside of school by saying like, okay, let's we're going to we're going to do a little experiment. We're going to have other kids over. Kids that you never have over, we're going to have over. We're going to do this like four or five times just to sort of expand your circle because what I hear you saying is you're feeling pressure by this friend to not play with anybody else. So, outside of school, we're going to we're going to make sure you play with plenty of other people so you get comfortable with that not being something you're limited to. But it's hard for me to arm this kid with the right things to say or do because one, it's hard to know what is the right thing to say or do besides get away from me. That doesn't seem to be right. And you're also not there. And they also don't have a choice, right? Like adults, if we don't want to hang around with somebody, we just keep saying, oh, that night doesn't work for me. <laughs> or right. sometimes when we do like to be somebody, we say, oh, that night doesn't work for me. And then then that keeps happening until, until one of you dies, right? That's adulthood. Um, yeah. But my kid... My kid goes to school every day with this kid in the, you know, in in a small confined environment for the whole day where this kid's coming out the, at them like I thought you were my friend and we can't be anybody else's friend and that's I'm struggling a little bit with how to arm my kid with the right things to say. It doesn't warrant going to the teacher. This isn't bullying and it isn't for me to get involved in. It's for me to help my kid. So, you know, Wendy Mogul who wrote The Blessing of a Skinned Knee, mm-hmm. she suggested in in this in this case, you you listen with compassion and you don't give a ton of advice and you say, well, what are you thinking about doing? Have you been in this situation before and, and what worked for you and what do you think you might try and really, really hand it back to, to the kid? So I guess that's what I'm going to try to do because my, this kid is coming to me teary, stressed about it for advice and I'm not quite sure what advice to offer. I think it is hard. I think the uh, the advice of like, you know what, I just need a little space is good. It gives you a marker, like the guy said, like it gives you a starting place. Heaven no, um, we've, we've all used that line, right, in our in our 20s. I just need a little space. I just need a little space right now. I mean, I have to say like... <laughs> it's not you, it's me. It's something that I look back on with some regret in my life that my sisters and I joke all the time. We were raised to be polite. Like, like it was so important yep. to be polite yep. and we are polite and we, I still get complimented on being polite as an adult, but there were situations where I probably should have, but it's hard to say my sister has a great vibe for this. Like I remember my sister at some point, she was going on a date and someone showed up with a motorcycle on the date. Like, Oh, let's go ride on the motorcycle. And she was like, no, I don't do motorcycles. And she just was like, goodbye. I'm like, how did you, (laughs) where is that gene in your body? Because I would have just ridden around on a motorcycle, uncomfortable and miserable for as long as it took. And been like, I just, the only hope is like, either I fake a heart attack or I go on the motorcycle. Like the idea that I would just say like, this makes me uncomfortable and I don't want to do it is 
too uncomfortable. So I'm going to ride a motorcycle, which is vastly more uncomfortable. Right? But I mean, the number of situations, and that is something that I think about with my daughter and my sons, like how to have them be polite and people who serve other people and are good members of their community, but somehow still have enough of the thing to say, like, your behavior is making me uncomfortable and I would like some space. <laughs> I just, that, that was not in my DNA. I could never do it. I've gotten much better at it as an adult. I'm much better at being like, mm, I, I, there's a, I don't know if I put it up on the Facebook page, but there's a famous E.E. E. Cummings letter, the poet. And they were like, we would like you to be on whatever the board of this university or teach a class or whatever. And his response letter just said, I'm sorry, I cannot do that because I do not want to, period. <laughs> Sincerely, E.E. E. Cummings. And I said to my husband, like, that's my motto for the year. I'm sorry, I cannot do that because I don't want to. Because I don't want to. This makes me think, Oldie Locks Alert, back in my day of when I used to be on the phone with my boyfriend in high school, you know, with the phone with the cord dragged all the way around the corner yeah. and up the stairs. And way, we'd be on the phone we're going for, way back. We're yeah. taking it way back yeah. today. I was in high school a little while ago. We'd be on the phone for two hours. I don't know, talking about, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And then it would be, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, I don't want to hang up first. <laughs> and all this, we would do this protracted nonsense. But I remember like really being in it and taking it seriously. Like, no, I don't, I can't hang up. You hang up because I can't, I can't do it. So I was the, I was a 16 year old who couldn't hang up on a two hour phone conversation on a person who was like, no, really, it's, it's okay. You can, you can say goodbye. No, I'm like, no, I no, want you, you to hang up. No, you do it. And, and I do not want my, my daughter and my other, my sons either to be that kind of like, well, I really wish I could say something, but that'd be uncomfortable. So I'm just going to Suffer. live in misery. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. not what I want. So that they, One, so that therefore they have to do this. They have to be on both sides. This is this is part of the hard knocks that's going to teach them how to be an assertive adult. I think the key here is like be kind to other people. Other people may or may not like you, and that is absolutely their prerogative, and it is okay. It is okay for other people not to like our kids. Our kids need to be able to have a correct sense of boundaries with other people. And this is a good time to start developing that. Like I yeah. need a little space from you. I'm going to have some other friends for a while, whether or not the other mom understands that that is also completely okay. And I would also like to just state at this point, something that I talk to people about a lot. Our kids are all under 12th grade. They're 12th grade and under, but my kids are fourth grade and under. And one touchstone that I come back to a lot is I cannot name, I can no longer name any people until I was in eighth grade. I mean, I can name them, but I can't conjure them. They have no role in my life. I, tr I change schools and stuff. I think it's going to be a little different for my kids, but the heaviness of the fourth grade friend breakup is perhaps overstated. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll take the other side of that a little bit, which is like our, our job is, this is, this is their first emotional heartbreak and it can be heartbreaking. It doesn't mean you overinvest in it, but you, you know, you empathize with it and you comfort and don't, don't say, oh, I, I, I never liked that kid anyway. I always thought she was a brat. Don't say that. <laughs> oh, I'm not supposed to say that? No. Uh, okay. No, I agree but with don't you. Don't be like, oh, you won't care about this in 25 years. Cause that's not, that's not comforting. I'm not speaking as much about your kid's feelings, which I think you should always, I mean, I've said this before that like kids call my kids weird and I'm like, who cares? That kid's you know, horrible. I mean, I don't say that out loud, but I think it to myself. But 
but you so you told that story about somebody calling your kid weird and then your kid was you know teary over it deeply right. wounded and you realize oh i have to for this kid i have, I have to, to take, take it seriously. seriously so for my kid i have to take my kid's emotions seriously and kind of you know r- respond kind of respond to them and hear them and make sure they feel heard. But for myself and my feeling about the five amigos who will always be best friends, that's where you have to let yourself off the hook and be like, there's not a lot of people who are best friends with the five people they started preschool with. Yeah. That's that it's sad and kind of inevitable. I don't even think it's sad. I think it would be real odd to be best friends with the five kids you went to pre-K with. You can put that in sort of your mom's engineered it. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 so, so, um, my, my oldest son in high school now, um, and they scatter for high school in New York city. So the, he had, he had maybe 36 kids in his eighth grade and they went to 30 different high schools uh, all over the place. Some not even in New York city. Um, but the, uh, there's one mom, you need that connector. And we still have sort of quarterly dinners where we get together and we, you know, we, we catch up on a little bit on our kids, but also on ourselves. And it's great to have, and it's sort of, you know, we'll always have Paris, right? We have these, we have these dinners once in a while. We talk about, wasn't it great, but we are not in each other's lives every day anymore. Of course we aren't. And that's okay. That's what's supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen is a good touchstone too. Like let it, hold it less tightly, this whole thing. Help them through the breakups and help them do the breakups if you need to. Give them the emotional support they need, but otherwise take yourself out of the equation. All right, we solved it. Solved, guys, solved. (laughs) If I can find Max the bear, I can solve anything. That's true. I shouldn't have ever doubted. Although my husband really found Max the bear. Thank you, David. We want to hear how you guys are handling kid-friend breakups from both sides. And there's a bunch of ways you can tell us. You can come talk to us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash whatfreshhellcast. You can find us on Twitter at WFH Podcast. That's right. I'll tweet out the links to the articles that we uh, discussed today in the research. And I will also put them all up on our website, which is whatfreshhellpodcast.com. And I don't want to forget our Instagram page, which is at what fresh hellcast i'm finding margaret that more and more of our listeners are reaching out to us there are listening to an episode and saying hey i just had thought this and that's kind of fun it's fun to it's love fun that. to hear from you guys wherever you want to get in touch with us and we love talking to you okay guys that's kid friend breakups if you guys like this episode we hope that you'll share it on facebook or on instagram or on twitter or just send it to a couple of your friends or just grab your friend's phone and say here let me download the podcast app and because you'd like this i like how you're always advising people to grab their friend's phones <laughs> that's kind of like grabbing the other person's hand and stroke it. it's kind of a wilbur move to be honest <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Wilbur and Wilbur's mom. I'm sorry. Sorry, Wilbur. Uh, guys, that's Kid Friend Breakups for this week. We will talk to you next week. Bye. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. 
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.